and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to truly make this time of prayer here with you fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Lord, well, we've just made an act of presence of God. And we know that you are here with us, Lord. And as usual, we go to the gospel of the day. And it's an invitation for us to, to reflect on these very bold words of our Lord. Jesus said to his apostles, Behold, I am sending you out like sheep in the midst of wolves. Be, so be shrewd as serpents and simple as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will be led before governors and kings for my sake as a witness before them and the pagans. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. For you, it, will be, it will not be you who will speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And then he talks about the consequences. Brother will hand over brother to death, and the father his child, and children will rise up against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But whoever endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you, in one town flee to the other. Amen, I say to you, you will not finish the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Very stringent words in which our Lord tells us that he's sending us like sheep among wolves. And of course, we know that uh, one of the characteristics of wolves when they are among sheep is that they often attack the sheep, but they don't eat them. They just attack them. That's why they need sheep need a shepherd. They need an enclosure to protect them. And at night, the shepherd, if he is not careful, he will find his sheep, his sheep, uh, well, just wounded or dead, but not eaten. Like, what's the point of of attacking the sheep if you just don't go off and eat it? But they are predators. And that's what they like to do. It's like a sport for them. I suppose some, sometimes she, uh, wolves will also eat them, I suppose. I, I mean, I can, I, I, I can only imagine that. But certainly, these words of our Lord and the imagery that he uses 
these are stunning words of wolves and sheep that he prophesizes and and certainly prophesizes the upcoming persecution, which we know did happen in the early centuries of the church. In fact, right from the beginning, there was persecution. We know the first martyr was St. Stephen, and then more and more were persecuted and killed. There was afterwards the age of the martyrs. During about 300 years in the Roman Empire, there were about 10 major persecutions, that is, 10 emperors who made it official state policy that Christians ought to be persecuted. For some, it was only in given cities, for some emperors, but other emperors wanted it um, empire-wide, like Septimus Severus wanted the entire empire to be rid of Christians or anybody who worshipped the Christian God. It was for them a danger to be, uh, to be removed. One of the last great persecutions we know was Diocletian in the fourth century, and many, many Christians uh, died. And uh, that's why we call it the Age of the Martyrs. The other day we celebrated the first Christians of Rome, or the first martyrs of Rome. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so in front of this, well, we look today now also, there were the first early persecutions, but there are still persecutions still happening today. And the history of persecution, the history of, you could say, difficulty in realizing this mandate, I am sending you out like, like sheep in the midst of wolves, I mean, this is, after all, it's a mandate that is a mandate in which he is sending us out to evangelize. And the, the secondary fact is that it is a difficult mandate. It is a mandate that we are like sheep among wolves. But it is still, nevertheless, a mandate. Go into the whole world, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the mandate. Doesn't matter if we are sheep and, and we are persecuted by wolves. It doesn't matter. He still wants us to go on this mission. Now, I heard recently about a Pew Research study that was made in which uh, North Americans, uh, they, they, they got a large swath of North Americans, and they asked them, you could say, what the, the question is, what is the best thing to do when you encounter somebody with whom you disagree in the area of religion? So you're, you know, you're talking and you see they, they, they're either not Catholic or, or something and, and you, know, you disagree with them. So there are, there are um, three possible answers and you have to choose the answer that most suits you. The first possible answer in front of somebody that disagrees with you is try to persuade the other to change their mind. In other words, to evangelize, to do a pasa. Try to change the other, to, you know. You meet somebody, okay, I'm gonna, let's see. That's answer number one. Answer number two, or possibility number two is, try to understand the other's belief, but basically agree to disagree and just basically, just listen. Yeah. Try to understand, listen, agree to disagree. And the third possible answer is just avoid any discussion about any religion, just ignore the topic. Oh, that's nice, you're, uh, you're an atheist, oh, that's good, yeah. okay, and then you just move on. You don't talk about religion. Well, in this, in this um, study, 
As you can probably imagine, 67% of Americans chose number two. That is, agree to disagree, just listen. And uh, they're fine with hearing, but not so much with actually sharing their views. And 27% chose number three, that is to avoid all the discussion. They don't want to talk about religion. Americans, and I would say it's even more, more the case with Canadians, they just don't want to talk about it. They're afraid that uh, the argument will get heated, thinks somebody will get hurt. And if it's not religion, it's about a moral topic of some kind, you better not talk about this. And it seems that only 6% of people who responded chose one, that is to try to persuade the other. And, uh, and then if you filter this down, that, that's in general, in the general population, but if you filter it down to only Catholics, like how did only Catholics respond to this? To this? Well, um, it, it seems that in the general population, 6%, would be want to persuade, but in, among Catholics, it's only two percent. Two percent are ready to persuade. In other words, this study found, and that's in some ways a more jarring consideration, is that among all the possible religious groups, Catholics are at the absolute bottom, right? Uh, the least likely group to want to persuade their confreres or their friends or their whoever. Two percent of all the groups. So that's very little. That means that there's 98 percent of Catholics who simply don't want to share their faith. Just don't want to talk about it. It's as though you could say 98 percent of Catholics are not listening to what our Lord says, I'm sending you out like, like Sheep among wolves, I am sending you. Or even the first words, I am sending you out. Go into the whole world, baptizing them. It's as though 98% of Catholics say, no, I'm not. I'm not ready to, to be a sheep. Maybe I'm ready to be a wolf, but not a sheep. And uh, so it's, uh, these words of the gospel are a reminder for us on the one hand, the kind of society that we're in, because it wasn't always like that. I mean, there have been great stories and great adventures among Catholics, great Catholics. You could say even more, you could say, by and large, where there are Christians in the world today, this is largely due to the missionary outreach of Catholics. Whether it's in Africa, whether it's in Asia, whether it's in North America, in any place where there are not just Catholics, even Protestants. This is because at one point there were missionaries who took that apostolic mind, uh, mandate very seriously. And it reminds us we have a mission. We have work to do. Well, we know that work itself, our work is a mission. And uh, in some sense, we have been sent and it, is, it includes the work of forming souls, touching souls, you could say, uh, this urgent work of changing the world to arrive at least at a more um, pressing moral consensus. Mm -hmm. Right now, we're in a time, we call it the cancel culture, right? So if you, as soon as you say anything that is not 
generally recognized as being a good thing, you are canceled. Uh, people boycott your product or, or you're just canceled, you're, I don't know, you're berated on Twitter or what have you, right? And uh, it's the, the, they call it the cancel culture. I mean, in, in some ways, if somebody says something purely evil, right, um, well, I mean, you don't want to foment that evil thing, right? But it's, it's odd that today you, you see people, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, somebody in a public uh, position, a priest or something, says, you know, maybe we should be more careful with this, we should not necessarily, uh, and, then, and then he gets, he gets suspended. It's, 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 very, it's very sad what's going on, the cancel culture. And, and so we do need a greater moral consensus. And so, and that comes from the fact that we have indeed, you could, our, our, our strength really is that we, we have received a mission from our Lord. And it's urgent. And uh, to open horizons to our friends, open horizons to our relatives, our family, our relatives, those close to us, those that work with us, study with us. And uh, to open something out there, even if there may be indeed wolves, even if there may be wolves. Now, is that prophecy of Jesus about the lambs and the wolves not, not becoming true now? Because we are cushioning ourselves from all protection? From, or in, in a kind of protection, or we're cushioning ourselves from all dangers? Is it... Is it possible that I am in any way in those 2% who just, I, I just don't want to talk about it. I just want to ignore this topic. And I've ensured that all my friends always like me because I never talk about anything, quote-unquote, controversial. If I never get outed because of my opinions or what I say, maybe I'm not ready to be a lamb among wolves. It's strange, you, you see people demonstrating against race, racism, right? And they, they demonstrate and they, whatever, and they, sometimes they make a lot of noise, sometimes they break things, not, not always, but some. And then you'll, you'll get a typical interview of a reporter and they'll have somebody, yeah, yeah, we don't believe that uh, people should be discriminated because of, the, because of the color of their skin, and this is wrong, and so we are against racism. And we think this is very, very wrong, whether you're white or, you know, or black, you should not be discriminated. Okay, that's good. Now, is there anybody who's actually saying that we ought to discriminate? <laughs> is there somebody who's saying, no, no, we, the blacks should be maligned or whites should be maligned? Is there anybody who's actually saying that? That that's a good thing? Right? And. Uh, I mean, uh, personally, I've never actually heard declarations. Maybe, maybe they exist. I don't know. But uh, so, but we should ask ourselves. Maybe we don't want to be like lambs among wolves, but more like wolves among other wolves, or you could say basically like like everybody else, never really, you could say, encountering any hostility. Here's a quote from one of the first letters of the prelate of Opus Dei after he was elected prelate in 2017, February 2017. He said, This dynamism of going forth, which God wants to provoke in believers, he's quoting here from Pope 
Francis, this dynamism of going forth. He said, this dynamism of going forth is not a strategy, but the actual strength of the Holy Spirit. Uncreated charity. Holy Spirit is uncreated charity. I mean, he's God. God from God, true God from true God, true light from true light. So he is not created. He is love. In a Christian, in a child of God, friendship and charity form a single thing. Divine light, which gives warmth. I know we're not terribly interested in warmth these days, but uh, because of the heat wave, but... Uh, but we have to give the warmth of charity, the warmth of divine love. He said, the current situation of evangelization makes it more necessary than ever to give priority to personal contact. This relational aspect is at the heart of the mode of doing apostolate that St. Josemaria found in the Gospel narratives. It can be well said, it can well be said, my dearest children, he's quoting here from St. Josemaria, from a letter from 1940. It can well be said, my dearest children, that the greatest fruit of Opus Dei's work is the fruit of its member, that the members obtain personally through their apostolate of example and loyal friendship. Right? Loyal friendship. That's one of the greatest fruits we can get. And so it'd be good. I mean, that, that friendship is because we're going out. We're going out, you could say, to respond to that mission. And I suppose that the girls that come here, they feel that friendship, that support, those, they feel, you know, relations that they have here. We cannot be picky with them. We have to just love them the way they are, but help them improve. This, you could change this. This is something you're lacking here. You could be a better, you know, young woman here. And all that is done through, our mission is done through friendship. Then suddenly we are no longer just lambs among wolves. Father says, friendship is love and for a child of God it is true charity. Therefore it is not a matter of trying to have friends to do apostolate, but friendship and apostolate are manifestations of the same love. Friendship and apostolate are manifestations of the same love. Plus he's saying here, friendship itself is apostolate, friendship itself is a dialogue in which we give and receive light, in which we project, in, in which projects arise in a mutual opening of horizons, in which we rejoice for the good and rely on each other in the difficult things, in which we have a good time because God wants us happy. So, in that exchange, uh, when we share our faith, we know that we are learning, we are, it's, it's both, number one, where we convince the other, but also we are listening and the other, we listen to them too. So, both of us learn. It should be 
point number one and number two in, the, in, that, in that Pew study. Mm -hmm. So we can ask ourselves uh, now, in the presence of God, how do I take care of my friends? How do I share that, the, the joy that comes from knowing that I'm a, a, a daughter of God? Mm -hmm. Or knowing that God cares about me and that he has given me a mission? Do my friends see that I am honestly interested in, the <coughs> excuse me, in them? Or am I somehow just trying to outsmart them? and convince them. That would be number one. I'm just trying to outsmart them. I'm just trying to persuade them. On the other hand, do I try, you know, do I try to reach more people who may have never met a believer to bring them closer to the love of God? Then, then that requires more persuasion. But I would say at the root of that, at the root of this mission is our friendship, our ability to make friends. I would say that uh, Bishop Alvaro had that great ab ability to make friends. When he worked in the Vatican, wherever he worked, people really loved him because he was kind, gentle. He didn't, uh, he didn't avoid talking about important subjects. And, um, and we know, for example, that in 26 years of his pontificate, Pope John Paul II went to only two wakes in 26 years. The one wake was for the doctor who, who performed uh, a very extremely vital operation on the day of the assassination attempt in 1978, when Pope John Paul II was shot and you know, he had to be rushed to the hospital and then that doctor who performed the operation saved his life. And when he died, he went to his wake. He was a normal doctor, you know, but he did an amazing job. The other person that he went on a, to, to the wake is Don Alvaro del Portillo, mm -hmm. March 23rd, 1994. It was very impressive to see the Pope arrive there. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was asked, he, he was, you know, he was thanked by Bishop Javier, who wasn't a bishop yet at that moment, but, uh, but he was thanking, you know, Don Javier thanked him for coming and he said in Italian, si doveva, si doveva, I had to come, I had to come. Why? Because Alvaro was his friend. He felt he was his friend. He felt like a duty. Mm -hmm. Even Pope Pius XII remembered him from years back mm -hmm. when he arrived for the first time in his engineer's uniform. And uh, so, you know, maybe, yes, we are like uh, sheep among wolves, but we do have a mission, an important mission that the Lord has entrusted us. And uh, maybe we should ask the Lord for greater courage there okay, to bring the love of God, the truth about the faith, the truth about man and, and the moral law and arrive at a greater moral consensus and not be afraid to talk, persuade, yes, but also listen. And the two come together and we become true, intimate friends. But if we opt for number three, never talk about those things, how can we have a real friendship? Then we talk about, you know, we talk about Instagram and what was posted and uh, silly things that are not really worthwhile. Maybe we, we, they don't cause antagonism, but they're not really profound either.
So we ask our, our Blessed Mother, Queen of Apostles, to guide us in this endeavor, even if we are like lambs among wolves. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you all to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Thank you.